What up, Lady Ballers? We have a very special guest today, David Robertson. He's the director of the National Girls Academy. And guys, I feel like this is such an important topic because everyone has been freaking out about recruiting right now, especially with COVID. And the amount of responses we had on Instagram to all the questions they had about recruiting was wild. So I'm really looking forward to David, like, hopefully breaking it down for us and giving us um, advice on the whole process and everything involved with it. What's funny is the first time we saw him, it was pre-COVID when he was giving a panel about getting recruited. So now that COVID is thrown into the mix, we're looking to kind of hear some more of his advice. He had some amazing tips for you guys, and I bet he's going to have a lot more for us. All right. Enjoy. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Living the dream up in cold, 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 snowy Michigan here. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> so we were just talking about we have it well, when we heard you speak it was pre-covid yeah so we want we'd love to hear like i'm sure that we're going to learn a lot more about the recruiting process during covid <laughs> um but what have you seen like what changes in the process have you um found that's been happening most often it's a lot actually um obviously with the ncaa changing kind of the rules what they did was anyone who's in college right now gets granted an extra year of eligibility so obviously some kids are taking it on some kids are not some kids the schools are saying yeah we'll honor your scholarships some are saying you can play here but we're not going to give you money some are being told you can use a year and graduate so it's added this weird extra element that's never existed before you know apart from maybe the occasional red shirt player that type of thing um so the 21 and the 22 class is having to deal with now what everyone thought the recruiting classes were is not necessarily the case anymore you know so all of a sudden i know there's a couple of schools that i was talking to coaches a couple of weeks ago and they said you know they went from hey we were going to look in the class of 22 at about 10 kids and now they're going to bring in three so oh my gosh it's one of those things that has just so drastically changed it and for some schools it has and for some schools it hasn't but you know i think there's hopefully it's opened players eyes a lot more to casting your net really wide because of these types of circumstances right you just never know what it's going to be and that's the you know being able to look at okay it's not just the names that are you see during you know the men's march madness tournament there's there's quality at division one we've got grand valley state just down the road well not really down the road but a couple of hours away you know that's obviously a, an incredible program at the d2 level is great d3s and aias you know there's lots of ways and i think you know you've seen in the last couple of years as the, the women's professional game has continued to to grow and evolve that you can if that's your ambition there's a pathway from everywhere for it you know whether it's whether it's here or in europe so you know i think players starting to understand that a little bit more um you know by being forced to i think it's not necessarily a bad thing at all it, it allows them to spread their wings earlier but i think as well <clears throat> obviously the recruiting rules were just starting the last time we chatted and i think they've had a lot of benefit because i know speaking for myself and the kids that i work with when I was a freshman in high school, I thought I knew everything. I had absolutely no clue what I wanted. And that changed from, from week to week. So I think it allows all the players to mature a bit now, you know, because you really, you can't do anything until your junior year now, where you at least are starting to figure out, you know, a little bit of who you are as a person, a little bit of what might be interesting, what you want to do in college and potentially beyond. So I think a lot's changed in that aspect, you know, in terms of allowing the players to become a little bit closer to adulthood before they're mm -hmm. making these these you know life-altering decisions really because that was the it was getting to the point where it was just you know kids hadn't even gone to their their first homecoming but they knew where they were going to go play in college right so yeah, isn't that nuts isn't I, it, yeah. what when are they allowed to verbally start communicating with, with a coach 
now? Yeah, so they can actually, they can send messages to any, at any time, right? So that's what we always tell our kids is building this kind of, like, you know, like one-way dialogue with any school you're interested in. One, it gives you the practice of writing the emails, but, you know, creating that sort of body of work, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, whatever it might be, um, your sort of social media story, if you will. So you can do that forever. They cannot reply to you until June 15th, going into your junior year. So that's that, gotta be so hard to not have a response. Yeah, it's it's off-putting for a lot of them because I think that it's it's very much well. I've sent 20 emails and not got any reply. Natural. Feels like a rejection. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they they're clearly not interested. So you know, I think one of the the big things is making sure that players work with their coach because the coach can have free communication, right? So it's one of those. You know, anytime a kid talks to a school or sends their one-way communication, I'll always try and follow up with that school and just say, hey, you know, here's this player. And then I'll send some individual clips and things like that to make sure they're on the forefront or we can kind of be the buffer of, you know, hey, that's that's probably not the most realistic option or mm-hmm. these types of things to, to have that kind of transparent conversation. But, you know, I think that's that's a huge part of the recruiting process is being or playing under a coach or an organization or knowing somebody that does have those relationships and those connections um because like everything so much of it is not necessarily what you know but who you know mm-hmm. um, but being able to kind of make sure that you have someone that knows who you are as a player and a person that has the ability to connect with those college coaches is massive just because it helps you bump yourself further up the queue of them looking because i think that's the thing that so many forget is we're so used to competing in our little part of the world and then you understand that okay for us here, it's not just the kids in Detroit competing against the kids in Miami and LA and Chicago, you know, all of those different people have things. So what is kind of going to give you that leg up? And obviously, you know, the relationships you have are, are massive. Definitely. And I also just want to go back to the point where you said there's a positive that comes out of COVID, you know, everyone's staying home. It's like them pull it, like building who they are as a person without soccer. So it's like, we talk about this all the time, but when you end up leaving soccer and you're no longer playing, sometimes people have an identity crisis because they don't know anything about themselves. So it's like so cool to have this maybe one year where it could be like, this is your year to actually focus on like your passions and also build your game in a different way. And that's definitely a positive that can come out of this for sure. Um, Are there any other positives that you can see right now for players? Like another thing is maybe they can work more on their technical skills and the stuff that they can do at home. Is there anything that you can think of? I think it's it's been kind of along the aspect that you said there of <clears throat> it's been a really good evaluation period, I think, for a lot of people as to how important is this and how much do they really want to take it? Because I think everyone wants to go and be the, you know, the power five player and go on to play at the professional level and be on the national team and this and that until you actually learn what it means to do that. So I think a lot of people assume that, you know, I've been one of the best on my club teams. And so they've just kind of rolled along. And then you realize that, you know, once you get to college, everyone was pretty good in club, you know, and then it continues to go from there. So, you know, the amount that you have to put in is more and more and more. So I think a lot of people took a step back, right? And some people realized, hey, you know what? I love playing this sport, but it's it's a hobby. It's not necessarily a passion, right? It's when you're away from, you know, maybe a team and actually competing for three, four months, you really get to start to understand how much do you miss it, right? Which if you do, that's an, a great factor to come back in and, and really drive you. But if you don't, that's okay as well, right? So maybe you're looking at more of a, a, a college experience where 
you know, you maybe play for a school where the athletics are just a small piece of it, or you maybe look at playing in a club team or, you know, maybe you're, you're just going to play in like the adult indoor league or whatever it might be. So I think it's been a good evaluation period for people. And, you know, obviously we don't want to see anyone walking away from the sport, but I think hopefully in all of sport has been a, a little bit more of an understanding that everything doesn't have to be elite platinum premier, you know, whatever the fancy tag is, it's, it's okay, whatever your ambitions are and whatever your desires are, there's a place for you to continue that, right? No matter what, what level you're looking to play at, if you really have the desire to do so, there's the opportunity to do that. So I, I think, it. yeah, letting people realize, hey, you know what, I, instead of I'm a soccer player, right, which everybody is, but I'm, all, I'm, I'm a great person who happens to be really good at soccer, you know, so it's, it's a little bit of a mindset change. So, you know, for some people, I think that's, that's really benefited them. And I think a lot of people that maybe have been going 10, 11 months a year have been able to take a step and kind of get refreshed, right? We've noticed that in our kids when it, when it's gone away so many of them have come back with just such a hunger and desire and you know they're they're coming early they're staying late they're you know doing things on their own so it's been really cool to see in that aspect it's it's so true i just want to touch on that because when i remember um in high school when i tore my acl and i was out for whatever six months long i remember that it was like a fire was lit inside of me where i was like i'm obsessed with soccer and i can't wait to get back and like it reminds you how much you actually love the game and it makes you work harder when you know you get back into it so that's really cool to see the excitement come back to these girls because i can feel i feel like it is really easy for all of us to get burnt out you know when we're training especially if you're getting ready for college it's easy to do so. So there are many positives that we tend to overlook during these times. And it's nice to hear that and have a refresher for our audience. Now, when we heard you talk uh, at the panel at the Puma Summit, you talked a lot about this and you just mentioned it before, um, using like Instagram and social media to kind of build a profile for yourselves to give college coaches something to look at. Can you talk a little bit more on that and how valuable you think social media can be if used in the right way? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's You have the ability to give yourself an edge as long as it's used in the right way, but you also have the, the ability to potentially put yourself in a negative light, right, depending on what you put up there. So, you know, it, it requires you to really think about the content. And what we talk about is if you wouldn't be okay with your grandma, your mum, and your coach seeing it, then probably shouldn't be up there. So we encourage people to have a a sport one so you know your soccer specific instagram and stuff and then your personal right and your personal one should be should be private and that's you and your friends and that's that's you being a human being right and your your soccer one is you kind of telling the story of who we are and you don't want it to be just all soccer but it's in this time when they can't talk to you colleges are looking for people that you know obviously are, are good at the sport but that are good people that are going to come in and be you know locker room leaders that are going to help change the community around there and things like that so it's your opportunity to showcase a little bit of who you are and i think it's always valuable you know to to showcase it as hey here's obviously clips of you playing but here's what you do when your club does community service stuff and you know what here's what you do in your free time this is your dog this is your you know your favorite spot on vacation it's your opportunity to show who you are once again as a person not just as a player Right. So it can be very easily then just linked in the bottom of all your college emails. And hey, this is my soccer Instagram. You know, I would love it if you follow me. And it's just once again, another way to separate yourself out there because 98 percent aren't going to do it. 
Um, because yeah, it, it takes time and you don't need to go and do, you know, three posts a day, one or two a week is fine, you know, and, and that is where you get to express yourself and show your personality because that ultimately is going to be a selling point because we've had everyone seen the, the brilliant players that have no personality that don't really get recruited and the average players that have an incredible personality and end up going on to do, you know, some pretty breathtaking stuff. So I think that's, that's the big thing is start small, start simple, don't get overwhelmed. But it also gives you an opportunity to follow schools. And a lot of the schools have really good kind of social media presences now that it's really mainstream. So you'll see clips on there, you'll see player interviews, and it gives you the opportunity over time to take a look at, is that the kind of place where I'd want to be? Is that the kind of place that I fit in? You know, do my skill sets and my goals and my ambitions as a player and as a person match up with what that program and that school provide? So it's kind of a two-way street in that aspect of it. It lets you see maybe another world and it puts you ahead of the game because now schools have one link they can press and they can see all sorts of stuff about you and you get to decide what that is, right? So that's the, that's the great stuff is, you know, they can learn about your personality. They can learn about your skills. They can learn all sorts of stuff before you've ever had a phone conversation with them. That's such great advice that it is a two-way street because I think, you know, when we are freshmen or sophomores in high school, we have this idea of what a college is in our head. And we kind of all think they're the same thing. We just have our top schools, but you don't realize that you have to learn about the culture at those individual colleges too, because some may have a, a wonderful soccer program, but it's just not going to be the right fit for you. So I think that's great advice to follow them on social media. Cause now we see, you can see team chemistry between players with like UNC has an amazing Instagram where you can like literally get a feel for what it's like to be at a practice there. And I love that advice because you know, visits are restricted to go to colleges and things like that. So this is such a great way to kind of get to know a part of the program. Where do you suggest that girls start their college search? Like what's the first way that they should start? Because it's kind of a daunting process for girls. Yeah, absolutely. I think the easiest way is, you know, as you're starting your, your journey as a freshman, sophomore, you know, when you're going to away games, plan an extra hour drive. So if you have a two hour drive, let's say, plan an extra hour or so and just look on the map at what schools are and then don't just limit it to, you know, look at all sorts of things. So draw a little circle and go, okay, I'm going to try and hit two schools on the way there, one on the way back, right? And you just drive through the campus because it starts to give you an idea of what type of setting you like. Do you like a, you know, an urban one? Do you want to be, you know, out in the middle of nowhere? Do you want a college town? Do you want to be in a city? You know, because it's, it's easy to think about it, but, you know, we all know it's once you're actually there, things feel completely different. And I think it's also important that, you know, we always, we always laugh and call it like first relationship syndrome, the first school that shows you a lot of attention. You go there and you're like, this is it, I'm in love. This is the best yeah. thing ever. So, but having had a diversity of schools to look at originally before you get to that point allows you to kind of understand, hey, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, because inevitably you're going to have some non-negotiables, right? And then you're going to have some things you would like and some things that aren't that important. And it's how much are you willing to give up for certain things? You know, whether it's you might play at a slightly higher level, but it's not going to have A and B. You might play at a slightly lower level, but it's going to check four of the five boxes that you really want. So it, it allows you to start to see that. So I think that would be the biggest piece. Um, another kind of, I guess, perk of COVID is so many of the schools are now doing digital campus tours so you're able to see those types of things just by you know sitting at your computer or on your phone and you can do that anytime and i think the the tough part is how do you carve out time because the, everyone's just slammed especially 
you know, whether it's going from online school to in-person school to, you know, soccer practice and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, while mum or dad or a friend is driving you to practice, just look at one a day on the phone, right? So you're now not having to go, okay, I've got to carve out an hour a day to do this. It's, you can actually fit it into other things. Um, you know, so, so maybe take one, one song off the carpool karaoke and you know, do, do one quick campus tour, but it also, so many of the games are on now as well. So as we head into kind of this spring season, you can take a look on, um, I think ESPN plus carries tons and tons and tons. So you can watch it a little bit and then that gives you insight into style of play, right? Cause some players fit into some things that they don't into others. And it, I think it helps you have a more educated conversation with coaches as well be able to say hey you know what i watched your game against you know that school and liked how you used your outside backs and i feel like my skill set would fit this and all of a sudden a coach goes oh they've done the homework you know we're not just one of 100 emails so That's i think so true yeah being would, able to do that is is brilliant yes i feel like when we were back in the day when we were looking like you would go to the school, you would do a tour and you'd see like maybe half a game or one game. And yeah, if you were lucky, yeah. And that's not, I just feel like that's not enough to know if you're going to fit into that style of play. So I feel like that's a big thing. Girls now have a leg up where they can watch all the different teams that they're interested in because you could, t I think you could tell like after a few games, all right, I'm not going to be a good fit at this school, depending on what, or this is exactly what I want to do. This is exactly my style of play. Um, and I love the point you made about the virtual tours. We, uh, we spoke with Amina Eric last week. She was in the draft uh, recently. And her school, uh, Louisville, they actually did like a virtual tour uh, with the team. So yeah. they like sent it out to players who were looking to go there, which I think is such a good idea because then you get to kind of learn more about the players and then they're showing you around the campus, which yeah. is kind of nice. And I think that brings to another, another point that's really good is, you know, it's college is an experience, right? So you know, getting to understand a culture and what people are like. And that's another little thing that Instagram can give you is you've got the ability now to find out. And all it takes is you go on a roster search, you, you take a couple of names and you plug them in and you obviously see, okay, they're followed by that school. So this, they must be playing there. So follow them, see what they're like. And I think at the end of the day, it, players need to also remember that coaches, when they want you to come as a player, they're going to put their best sales job on as well, right? So what you see in the recruiting process isn't always what you get. And I think the, the people that will tell you the brutal, honest truth either way are the current players that are there. Yeah. Right? And, and they're not <laughs> typically the shy about it, right? So I think that's the thing is, you know, follow if you're interested in this school and it's not just, you know, a fleeting thing, you know, follow some of their players and reach out to them and say, hey, what's it like? You know, do you like it? What's it like? You know, what's the food like? What's the dorms like? All those types of things. And you'll, you'll get pretty blunt, honest answers. And, you know, it might reaffirm what you think or it might mean you need to ask a few more questions before you make a decision. Yeah. And you kind of get an inside look like on their Instagram stories. Are they like exhausted every day and look unhappy yeah. or are they having fun in the locker room with the team? Is the food in the cafeteria? Like, are they running over, like pumped out it's chicken nugget day? Like yeah. we used to be, <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> but it's cool. It's cool. It's an inside look. Yeah, it is so true. And I just feel like it's laugh while they're doing the beep test. Right. I don't know if you saw that the other day. I was like, that's impressive. People that are smiling during the beep test. Yes. Must be pretty happy. Yeah. And it's just so easy for the players now too to just shoot a direct message or DM to the girls on the team to ask those questions. Like they don't even have to set up an email with them. Like just be like, hey, I'm interested in your school. Like, you know, ask more, ask more questions about that. I'll never forget. I used Facebook because that was what we used at the time. And I messaged the girls and I was like, what's the fitness test like? <laughs>
important question. Yeah. Um, but it just, I guess, leads us to the next question. Like, are there specific things that a lady baller should be asking the coach about their campus tour or about, you know, the team? Yeah, so I think one of the one of the big things is asking coaches to describe in their own words the culture. How is it now? And what are you trying to build? Right. So it kind of gives an indication of a lot of times when a, a, somebody's come in, you know, it obviously takes them three or four years to get their their players in, if you will. Um, so they can kind of say, hey, this is what it is right now. This is what we're building towards. This is an example of it. Um, you know, but I like to encourage our players as well. Do your research on the program and the coach and the school, but also see how much they've done their research on you. Right. So asking about how would I fit in based on, you know, what you've seen of me from film or in-person recruiting. How do I fit in? What am I lacking right now that I would need to make an impact at your school? So it allows you to see how much research of these schools actually done and gives you a rough gauge of where you fall there. And then as you kind of bring up your academic interests, it's okay. So what would the day look like in the fall versus the spring for me with an engineering or a nursing or a teaching or a, you know, a sports journalism, whatever it might be that you're interested in. And it's okay to ask for more than one. I think that's, that's a big piece. Everyone's so afraid to say, I don't know what I want to do but also understand that the first two years of college are just like the basic classes for the most part anyway, unless you're a super specialized degree. So it's okay to be undecided. So ask what's the pathway like for that? What is the, you know, assistance like when you're on away trips? How do you handle missing classes? Are there tutors? You know, I think all those are important. And if you can relate it more specifically to things that you're interested in, or if you really have no idea, which is probably 70% of people, ask them, you know, how many people come in undecided and what do they tend to do? And can I talk to some of the girls? Can I talk to some of the professors? You know, and then one day, if we ever get to go and visit schools again, you can try attending a class and things like that. So there's lots of creative ways to make these conversations a lot less awkward and a lot more personal to you, which I think is always the challenge, right? Because it's, you know, I've, I've not been a teenage girl. coach a lot of them and i know from their their kind of feedback it's intimidating especially the first couple of times you know because it's it's somebody you don't know and you want to make a great impression so you don't really want to show <laughs> yeah. who you are but at the same time you want to be special and i think it's that that balance of you know the more prepared you are the more comfortable you're going to be and the more you can express your personality because you're comfortable with it and that's what we tell our kids all the time is look you have to be comfortable being yourself in these conversations don't pretend to be the person you think that coach wants because you might get there and hate it because you're not that person, right? If they don't want you for who you are, you wouldn't, you wouldn't love it anyway. So and then when they realize that you're not who they thought you were as well, it's going to yeah. be a further just, unhappy it, relationship. Yeah, it just makes for a bad experience, right? So, you know, that's the, as, as quickly as you can get comfortable and everyone, it takes a little bit of a different timeline, but being able to be yourself is, is so crucial because there's a lot of, you know, people that, you might have been one of 10 people they're recruiting. But once again, if all things are even, what's going to give you the edge? And if your personality is something that really clicks with the coach, I bet you, you jump a few hurdles. So yeah, yeah. that's you really are. You're not going to lose out on anything by being 100% yourself in that sort of scenario. You'll be a lot happier in the process. I, exactly. I just love this conversation because when I look back to my recruiting process, like the amount, I'm sure Alana and Shannon can agree, like the amount of anxiety that you have when you're speaking to the coach, it's like, what do I say next? I, I don't even know what to say to him or her. Like, it's so funny when I look back, I would look at my mom and I'm just like, 
did I miss anything? Like, what am I supposed to do? And it, this is information that we weren't like supported with when we were being recruited. So I think it's fantastic. And I hope that the lady ballers listening are taking notes. Like it's, a t- again, it's a two way street. Like you're interested in the school, but the coach, you know, see how interested they are in you and how the, their program is going to work best for you, you know, and vice versa. So I think that's awesome. I, I definitely feel like, I feel like this is a lot like dating, which is, I guess, not a great way of relating it, but it really is. But when I would go to a school and a coach would not show a lot of interest, they, they wouldn't know a lot about me. They would just like go through the motions, showing me the, you know, give me a tour, asking me about questions. And that was it. I was just like, if they don't want me, why do I want to come here? You know, I, I want them to also be like, this would be a good fit for you. And, and this is why. So I think it's really important to make sure that the coach is just as interested in you as you are in there or make them interested, I guess. Yeah. And I think as well, the visits are so good because they allow you to see the human side of the coach as well, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you can hide on a phone call. It's a little bit less easy on a Zoom, but it's impossible in person. So, you know, we've had players go to some pretty prestigious programs and, you know, visit and go, I can't play there. And you go, why? And they go, they're so disorganized or you know, they forgot about this meeting or they mm-hmm. you know, forgot my mum's name or just things that they go. And it's funny because I think my, my players want to kill me at times based on how like organized and, you know, things I am. But then they go away to things and they go, actually, that was really important to me. And I didn't re- realize it until I saw the other side of it. So it allows you to see that human side and, hey, can I work in this culture? Because you know, I know that for me, certain things, you know, it's got to be organized. It's got to, you know, be a hardworking culture and stuff like that. Whereas some people are very go with the flow and can kind of fit into anything. But some people, it's better to know that before you go than after you arrive. So true. That's really good advice. So I have, I have a question too, because we're, we're so focused on what the athlete can do that's different given these circumstances and we can't be in person. But can you just shed a little light on maybe how you feel co- college coaches are recruiting differently than they used to? Because... Uh, the players get are so focused on what they can do different, but I think it's important for them to realize the way that college coaches are now approaching the recruiting process as well. Um, just yeah. have a better understanding of it. Absolutely. I think obviously with, with COVID and it's, it's interesting because the rules are different for division one, two, three NAIA based on even the COVID restrictions. So, you know, right now division two, II, division three NAIA can come and watch you in person. Um, division one can't. So obviously the, the value film was valuable before, but it's, become crucial now and i think people always get stressed out when they hear that if they don't play for a club that you know has a video camera or has you know a dedicated cameraman or anything like that but it can be as simple as you know phones are incredible now so you know going to you know walmart and getting a cheap tripod and you know having a mum or a dad just film it and just have them not don't zoom in super crazy you know be able to see kind of the full picture and that can get you some film you know and you can actually Everyone sees, you know, and, and we're guilty of it as well, the, the super fancy animations and all sorts of stuff that you can see on social media. But at the end of the day, you know, they need to see you be in your environment. So just a little circle around it, which you can do in PowerPoint um, or huddle or anything like that. And then you involved in play and have access to full games. So now it's, you know, the, the highlights are what gets the coaches in, you know, their attention. So what you want to do is you want to accentuate your strengths right so what is your it factor and based on your position those are going to be different based on your style those are going to be different so figuring out what is really really valuable about you and and the easiest way i always tell players is okay if you were to write and this sounds super cheesy 
but I think we're going back to this dating analogy again. If you were to write a personal ad for yourself as a player, what would you be trying to sell straight away? And those are your strengths, right? It might be, you know, taking the ball out of the air. It might be goal scoring. It might be tackling. It might be passing range, whatever it is. But your highlights then need to do that and they need to apply because I think we've all seen the, the highlight reels that are, you know, the player with no one around doing a double step over and then the ball goes out of bounds <laughs> and you go, what? So I think finding things like that are really, really important and including in the highlight video, you know, just at the very beginning, just an introduction of you talking, you know, just like we are here, be, be a human being, um, you know, so show that and just introduce yourself and your club and who you play for and, you know, why you're excited for them to see this film because I'm, I feel that I'm really strong at this and would be able to impact your program. Um, really looking forward to following up and getting your feedback on this video and then letting them know, don't give it all to them at once. I think that's another thing is give yourself the ammunition for conversation two, three, and four of here's my highlight clip. And I would love to hear if you're able to talk to them at that point, I'll give you a call in a week and I would love to hear your feedback. And at that point, you could, as soon as you finish that call, you can send them, here's a full game, right? And then it just gives you the ability to not go, here's my highlights, here's three full games, you know, and to a college coach, if they've got 20 of those emails, that might be a little intimidating, right? Just in terms of it's so much at once, as opposed to, hey, here's my 90 second to three minute highlight video. Now you've got a little bit of intrigue, right? And they know that there's a follow-up coming. So they have to, if they are genuinely interested, They've got seven days to watch it and have, have something to have a conversation about. So I think it's one of those not being loosey-goosey with stuff. Once again, it makes you look organized. And it's not a lot of players are worried about coming across as needy or over the top and things like that, understanding that you're not, right? You will get told or your coach will get told and tell you if the program is no longer interested or they just won't respond to anything ever, right? That's another way that it happens, unfortunately. So... You know, you will know if if there's not a mutual fit. But until that point comes, make sure that you're continuing to drip those things constantly. The more, and especially when they can't talk to you, the more they see your name in that email inbox, it just creates that sort of repetitive history in their head of, hey, Sally Smith has emailed me 40 times in the last year. So when I see that Sally Smith is playing at an event I'm going to, we're taking a look at Sally, right? Because she sent me this and she's persistent and she's interested and you know, those types of things. So um, I think that's really important. So you don't think there's no, there, there's no such thing as too many emails. It's okay for them to, to be proactive and do it every few weeks. Like, is there a timeline you think that there should, would, they should kind of go with? Trying to, trying to send something every couple of weeks is, okay. is a good thing. And it can be just as simple as, Hey, just wanted to wish you good luck in your game. Right. Because that once again, Hey, it's you again, you're interested. You've taken a look at the schedule and it's make sure that your name, is in that subject, right? So we see a lot of emails that say just no subject or, you know, I like soccer or something. Make it very specific. This is your name, <laughs> right? And 2021, 2022 prospect forward, right? And then your club name, because that also will get you, you know, depending on obviously the club, that'll get you some looks in terms of the, oh, they play there. I know a coach there. So therefore, right, the next mm -hmm. step is logical. So I think every couple of weeks, and then obviously, you know, that then gets driven as the relationship builds and you get in kind of a cycle of, being able to have phone calls and text messages, it becomes even easier, right? So you can just shoot a text message and, and things like that. So, and then I would say showcases vary, especially right now with, with schedules of how quickly they get them out, but sending them, if you can, at least two weeks, you know, max of a week before the event is crucial because 
these schools obviously have to plan how many people are going, right? They've got to see about 300 games. So they've got to figure out who plays when, at what time, who can fit into each slot, who's at fields that are close to another. So I think a lot of times for players, remembering that they're not just recruiting you, right? They're looking at hundreds of players. So if you can get them the information early, good, strong likelihood that your, your team is going to be on that list, right? So that is really, really important. And then as well, everybody else on your team is trying to get recruited as well. So the more people that you are able to bring in with interest in you, they're doing the same. So that's a, a really, really important step is, you know, whether it's a assistant coach or, you know, a team mum or dad that goes around and just writes down the name of the school and the coach that's there, because it's, it's amazing how many times kids get recruited by a school that they didn't initially reach out to because they happen to be there watching one of their teammates and they went, oh, I like that kid, right? And those connections might never have happened if somebody didn't go and say, hey, school A, B, C, D, and G were there. Right, because now and then, again, regardless of your initial interest, especially as a, a freshman and sophomore, because as much as you think you do, you really don't know what you want to do or where you want to go. So email everybody, even just with a simple thank you for coming to the game. You know, really appreciate that you took the time because it one, it creates a really good impression of you, creates a really good impression of your club and your team. Um, and then ultimately, even if you're not interested in that school, that coach might get the job at the dream school that you want to go to. And if they remember you as somebody who sent a thank you note and was courteous and, you know, replied to things and, you know, kept in touch, then that, that will do you no harm. Now, at the same time, you don't need to email 300 schools every, every two weeks. So, you know, because mm -hmm. that can obviously get, become a chore. But, you know, don't keep your list to three or four. It should be, you know, initially, if it's smaller than 20 or 30, I'd tell people to go back and, and do some more digging. It's, it's so true. Like, I wish we could take a survey of, like, who ended up going to the school that they initially were, had their like heart set on. And I feel like a lot, a majority ended up going somewhere that they never initially thought that they were going to go. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's just great, great advice. That happened with our coach, Sean. He was coaching at a different school. He was coaching at Manhattan and was recruiting through players on my team and then ended up coming to Fairfield. And luckily they hadn't signed with Manhattan yet and they got to go to Fairfield instead. But it's just like crazy. You never know what's going to happen with coaches. So it's great to keep a good relationship with them. Absolutely. I, I, I also wanted to know like, how involved when you were saying that, like one of the soccer parents is going around writing down who's there or maybe handing out like, you know, the roster with everyone's information. How involved should parents be in this process? Would a coach rather hear from the player or would they rather speak on the phone with their parent? Would they, and same thing with emails, like how, is that something that they want or they would rather the player be more involved? I think they, they really want as much interaction from the player and with the player as possible, right? Because there's, you know, every, every parent has a varying level of involvement, you know, from the you're going to do it all yourself to the over-involved helicopter, right? So it's wherever they are in that, the kid is the one going to college, right? So the, the coach has to get to know them. Now, the parents are also a part of it, right? Because, you know, most likely there's going to be some financial output. Plus, you know, the kid and the family also have to feel safe and confident with the, where their daughter's going to go. Right? And that's a, that's a big piece is that trust factor has to be there, not just player to coach, but parent to coach, right? Because you're basically entrusting your daughter to go and be in that environment. And this is kind of the gatekeeper. So I would say emails need to be written by the player because it is, it is incredible incredibly easy to spot 
who's which parent has written the email right because the words are more sophisticated and punctuation is 100% correct usually and and things like that so once again it's an opportunity for you to show your personality right show who you are and put little personal things in because no matter how well prepared you think you are in terms of okay my mom wrote me these 30 emails and I've got the follow up phone call you're not going to remember exactly what was written in it so now you're you're doing a lot of uh uh ooh, trying to look through things as opposed to if you write it you you're going to genuinely remember what you wrote right so you're able to have a genuine conversation and it also helps you with all sorts of things that are going to be important going into college in terms of your time management right learning that you you can no matter what how busy your life is you can find 20 minutes right it might now it might mean getting up a little bit earlier which we know is brutal or going to bed a little bit later or maybe some of the snapchat streaks are going to going to meet an early end because you can't get to them and that's okay right you're your talent has given you the opportunity to do something that ordinary people don't get to do. So you have to do something that ordinary people don't do, which typically involves time, whether that's the extra training. And now the college recruiting process is it does take work and it is a relationship. And, you know, we keep going back to this dating thing, but, you know, nobody gets any further than a first date if that's the effort level forever. Right. It's, you know, things have to build and grow and friendships and whatever it might be. So it's the same with the recruiting process. It's, it's a long-term thing. You know, people, some people think that I send a couple of emails, they watch me once and then, you know, I'm getting my full ride and that's it. And it's that, you know, that is step 12. You know, that's, that's the marriage proposal. You know, we're still <laughs> figuring out who, who likes Thai food and who doesn't. You know? <laughs> that's important. Absolutely. absolutely. I just love the theme of being personable and, and it's all about the communication. So whether it's like being personable on Instagram, following the girls on the team and finding out more about the coach or creating your own soccer Instagram account and showing your personality there. And then just being like polite and, and sending emails persistently to coaches who you're interested in. It's just like showing more about who you are. And I don't know, I'm seeing a theme throughout all of it. And it's really amazing and something I did not do during my recruiting process. And I think now it's like, especially now all we're all on technology constantly. Like this is stuff that you guys can do you have an iPhone or you have a camera mm -hmm. and you have your computer, like this is absolutely in your control for the recruiting process right now. So it's fantastic. I definitely didn't know. Like I felt like if I emailed a coach three times and they didn't answer, I'd be like, Oh, they're not interested at all. Yeah. So I wish I knew all of this back then kind of kicking myself, but, <laughs> but it's great <laughs> for them logical, to know now. Yeah. It's the logical human reaction, right? It's, you know, the same as, as in our mind being left unread, right? Yep. It's, you know, you got to, you got to figure out why. So it, as opposed to just understanding that, hey, you know what, they might have, you know, a, a kid at home who's two months old and screaming and they're trying to cook dinner and they're trying to do and 50 emails have come in and they've just forgotten. Right. So which they're humans as well. And I think that's the big thing to remember is that, you know, no human is perfect. We're not all we're not robots. Right. So you've got to give some people some slack. Now, if you've gone a year and a half and got no responses, then maybe you can read between the lines. But, you know, initially, don't don't get you know take it too hard mm -hmm. yeah so we actually had a bunch of questions from our mm -hmm. fans and one just uh stood out to me and i can relate to it but if you're injured and you're re being recruited does that hurt your chances of getting recruited um or like is there a way that they the player should go about communicating with the coach like hey i tore my acl but x y and z like is there any advice that you have there 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, I think it's a scary one for a lot of people because it's intimidating, right? Is you feel like you're missing out on the world. And I think, especially now, knee injuries and these major injuries are not the, the be all end all that they used to be, right? So even five, six years ago, an ACL, you were like, oh, I don't know if they're going to come back with a pace or anything like now. But, you know, we see kids all the time that, you know, nine months a year later you could never tell that they had an acl injury you know they're quicker they're leaner they're faster so i think the biggest thing is trying to number one take the burden off yourself right because there's always the weight of the world of oh my god i'm missing this and this is not now my dreams are all over and this and that it's look no as much as we wish we could change the past you can't change it your your acl's torn right that's that's the reality right now what we can control is your attitude about it what you do to come back and then who you're going to be in between right so okay making sure that your your pt is absolutely on point making sure that you find somebody and typically a coach will be able to do it and if not just go on twitter and you'll find somebody that has been through this that you can talk to sorry rory that you can talk to and have a conversation with that has been through it you know and has gone through the highs and the lows and there's going to be lows and understanding that and that's really, really important. So, you know, talk to them, ask them what their challenges are, and then know that colleges don't view this as like this world ending injury anymore. It's just, hey, you know what? There's a lot of people that have it, you know, especially in the in the girls game. Unfortunately, it's a it's a it's a high reality that you might be susceptible to one at some point. So take that stigma away. And then what you can do is you can still show one. If you have film from before you got hurt, you're able to show that. But two, I think something that would be really, really cool, and I've seen a couple of them, but is document your comeback, mm. right? So show your strength mentally, physically, your resolve, how you're going to get after it. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm out here grinding. I'm out here lifting the weights. I'm doing the PT. You know what? When, you, when you're able to run in the straight line, let's celebrate that milestone. Let's make a big video out of it. You know, when you're able to take your first touch, how cool is that? And how many people are going to celebrate that with you? Right. So I think those are things that you can do that can show, hey, you know what? It's not for the next nine months. I'm going to be sitting on the couch eating Fritos. It's going to be, hey, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to learn the game from a different perspective. So we've typically encouraged our players that are injured is to come to training at least twice a week and basically be like an assistant coach. Right. So they're, they're there, whether they're helping set up an activity and it takes a little bit of time to get comfortable, but they get used to it. And then we'll ask them questions. They're kind of a little bit tactical and you'll see the light bulb come on for quite a few players. They can see training and how it translates to games and things like that in a different perspective, which obviously makes them a better player when they come back. But also for us, we have a, a kind of another goal here at nationals of really trying to help get more female coaches in the game ultimately. So, you know, this is kind of that very, very first dangle of the carrot and, you know, maybe it's going working with the little juniors programs and the little kids and, and things like that so that you know one day when your playing career is over you can you know if you we want you to at least be playing right in the adult league and having fun with and loving the sport still but you know if you're able to then generate that into you know coaching a kids team or coaching a team or full-time coaching brilliant right so now now there's all sorts of different things so i think for for injuries yeah it it sucks and anybody that tells you it doesn't is is probably a little out of it but how you adapt to it and the challenge that you take on with it is what will really help spark you. 
Because you look at, I mean, even if you went with the top 10 schools in the country, right? Tons of those kids have torn their ACL, right? You look, you look at it just as simple as, just an example, because she was from Cincinnati, but Malia Berkeley went to Florida State, won two national championships, tore her ACL while she was there, just signed a contract uh, over in France with Marseille. So, you know, it's one of those, it's, it's not the injury that it used to be. So just focus on what you can control. That's what you can stress about, not what, you can't control what a school's going to think about. You can't control what your coach is going to do. You can't control anything. All you can control is what you can put into it. So really, really focus on that and good things will come. What's meant to be will happen. I love that. Yeah, people need to realize because so many get recruited and then still have a, a season left or two seasons left and they get injured along the way. And they, it's important to know that it's not the, uh, the end all be all. Um, yeah. But someone else asked another really good question um, that I've never personally known the answer to, but if you are a senior in high school and you're graduating in 2021, is it too late to contact universities and start communication and get recruited? So I no. think a lot have this realization. Yeah. Sometimes alas, some know, and when they're freshman high school, they want to play college ball. And then some, as it's coming to an end, really realize that it's actually something they want. And then they're struck with this fear of like, oh, it's too late. Uh, so what is too late? Is there too late? So I'll give you I'll give you a story that is interesting with that. So a couple of years ago, we had a player who was unsigned. Um, well, she was she had an offer. Um, she'd accepted, and then a new coach came in, and you know they decided it wasn't the best fit. So this happened twelve days before she graduated from high school. So you can imagine the stress level, right? So you know we worked really hard. I had a lot of connections. We were able to get her in as a walk on at a school, right? And it was she took a risk, and obviously that coach took a took a little plunge of faith, um, you know, in, in my recommendation, a couple others' recommendation of her. And uh, you know, this last year she was one of the, the leading goal scorers in the country. She's on the Herman Trophy watch list now. So that was a kid who twelve up until six days before she graduated from high school didn't have a place to go and play in college, right? So it was it, and the school she went to, people had already registered for classes. Orientations had already happened. That's you know, crazy. Rooming assignments had already happened. And I think especially now in this COVID time where, you know, these dead periods are pushed back and things like that, there is the opportunity at a lot of places. Now, what it allows you to do is if you've, if you've kind of changed your mold or you haven't found the right fit, there's lots of other things you can do as well. There's tons of junior colleges out there where you can go. Your eligibility is not impacted. You're knocking out college classes, which remember, like we talked about earlier, the first two years are pretty general classes anyway. So you can knock those out while getting exposure to potentially go on and play, you know, at, at the next level. And worst case, you've got two years of school done for free, right? So there's lots of things that you can do there. The other thing is, you know, depending on your birth year, if you're a 2002 or a 2003, you can take a gap year. You know, it's something that is massively common in Europe. And it's, it's not really here, I think, just culturally. But I think this might be where you start to see some people do it, whether it's continue to play with the club team. Or you know what, you can you could go over to Europe and, and train, you know, obviously depending on your financial situation and stuff like that. But there's lots of opportunities of things that you can do, um, you know, if timing is not working out perfectly. But, you know, in terms of there's, there's still, it seems like there's not a lot of time before, you know, the 21 class heads off to college, but it is actually a lot of time, you know. So it's one of those situations where you go, okay, make kind of reverse engineer your goal if you go, okay, Traditionally, I've got to make a decision by June. All right. So in order to meet my goal in June, what puts me in the best possible position to get exposure? Right. And that's the if you're a senior 
there's a lot you might be in a perfect setup right where you've got some showcases coming up you've got games being filmed you've got a coach that's really connected to college coaches that's that's your dream situation right the other situations might be you maybe need to see if you can guest play for another team at some showcases you might need to find a new team for a couple of months right there's there's lots of things that you can do and it just takes communication and reaching out um, you know, even if you feel like you don't have options, you know, if you live in, in a small town, for example, where maybe there's just, there's just one club team and it's, this is it. Well, what about, it's not ideal, right? But you're going to have to drive a bit, but can you talk to a club about, Hey, I would love to come and play in some friendlies or train. And maybe you just have to go to training once a week, right? So it's that night is, is a bit tough, right? But if this is really what you want to do, right. And you know that this bit of sacrifice can get you there. I think you'd, you'd regret not giving it a try, um, you know, and there's, that's once again, a great thing about the social media universe is there's so many people on there and all it takes is reaching out. The worst thing that can happen is no, but the best thing that could happen is you could end up in a pretty awesome spot. You know, so I think evaluating options, whether it's, okay, I'm able to find my dream setup, division one, division two, division three, NAIA, JUCO, whatever. There's junior college, right? Which allows you to get this kind of two year stopgap period focused on people who in junior college, no, they're only going to have you for two years, right? So it's not like you're going to a school in order to transfer. You're going there and their job is to help you transition to the next level. So you've got that, you've got a gap here. There's, there's lots and lots of options that you can do. Um, and I think kind of the COVID time is, is helping people understand that that's okay. There's not a stigma around it as much because people are now going to be forced into those scenarios. I do, I do agree. I feel like it's a, it is a positive coming out of COVID that it's not shamed and people aren't like, why are you taking a gap year? Now it might make more sense. And I think people are more understanding of that. Um, a lot of girls asked, which I feel like I kind of went hand in hand with that, um, how they could get recruited if they're not playing club or they're not playing in the ECNL. Um, do you think that guest playing and going to junior college is um, something they could do as well? Or is there any other tips you could give them? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's lots I really think, especially in the female game, because there are so many collegiate programs at all the levels, that if it's something you really want, there is a place for you to play. Now, it might be at the school that maybe doesn't check every box that's perfect for you. But if you really want to play at the college level, it's absolutely achievable. And you know, if you're one of those people that, you know, maybe you maybe you just play high school soccer, right? And you don't, and maybe you play basketball in the winter and, and run track in the spring or whatever it might be, or you financially can't afford it, whatever it might be. There are most club teams have scholarships, right? So finances are often bandied around as a something that gets in the way. But you find typically, obviously, with the bigger clubs, because they have a bigger ability to do it, but there are scholarships there. So there's in every club, there's players that don't pay anything because money is a big obstacle for them, right? So being able to do that. But once again, most high schools will film their games, right? And now it's about, okay, if, if this is my only opportunity, again, how do I kind of reverse engineer it? So I've got, let's say, 14 games, right? So I'm going to have that film. Can I ask my coach if we can have somebody come and film training? Or can I get my parents to bring an iPad or a phone and we'll just set it up? And, you know, that once again adds to your archive of film, you know, and then, yeah, you can absolutely reach out. And, you know, if you're not able to commit to a, a club for whatever reason it might be, you know, asking local club coaches hey could i come and train right if if you can only make it one day a week go one day a week right and you never know what comes out of it that club coach is going to know college coaches 
and they might say, hey, you know what? I've got this kid who, for whatever reason, can't be here full time. But you've got to take a look at her. So I think there's there's definitely avenues there that can that can really, really help out. So again, I think so much of it just comes down to what ultimately is your goal, right? And it doesn't have to be, you know, the national team and being a pro and playing for North Carolina. You know, it can be, you know, I just want to go to a school that I love and play soccer. Okay, how do we get you there, right? And that's okay. And, and like you said, there's no there's no shame that that's your goal. Your goal is your goal. There's only one of you, right? So make sure that what you're chasing for is what makes you happy. And at the end of the day, what are you going to have no regrets about, right? Cheesy kind of phrase, but you know, it's so incredibly valid is you're going to be the one that goes to college. So you've got to make sure that it's the perfect situation for you. It's not what your mom and dad want. It's not what your brother and sister want. It's not, it's not what, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever are doing. You're going there just because they're going there. It's you have to go for the experience. So I think, there's there's tons of ways that you can you can do it film's going to be such a crucial one though and then again reach out be polite be a good person and good things will happen to you in terms of building relationships whether it's with club coaches or whatever it might be and, and you'll end up in a good spot is there anything different that international athletes should be doing or do they should they approach the recruiting process in the same way because we've over time people have asked that question and I've always assumed they should just approach it in the same way, but is there anything different that international players should be doing? Yeah, so again, film's massive. There's a lot of kind of international uh, showcase events that typically take place, especially in Europe. Um, there's some in South America as well that a lot of the colleges go to. Um, so I think it's being upfront and being understanding about what, so typically a college looks at an international player is that's going to be a full ride gone yeah right so because it, it it's just more expensive right it is what it is so i think if you're in a situation internationally where you go hey you know what i have a budget that my parents have said hey we can pay up to this amount being transparent with the school a little bit about that is hey you know what i, I don't need a full ride right if they're sort of waffling around now if they come and give you a full ride absolutely you can deal <laughs> Right. But, you know, if they're if they're saying, hey, you know, we just don't know whether it's going to work financially, be prepared to have that conversation. So I think knowing your family's financial situation and what you can actually do is really, really important. Um, and then it's it's about building your resume. Right. So you look at, OK, what is the highest level of play that you can play at? You know, whether it's whether it's for, you know, one of the one of the women's academies, whether it is for your local county team, whatever it might be. You know, whether you're on the youth national team, et cetera, et cetera, but build that, right? So have your little Instagram world that's going on, have your film, and you approach it the same way um, with that. Now, the, the one thing that you have to look at a little bit is some schools accept, like the International Baccalaureate, um, some schools don't. So it's understanding as well, making sure that you have conversations with admissions departments of how do my transcripts from where I come from translate into an American university? Right, because you know, in uh, in Europe or in England, you've got A levels, O levels, so it's like a completely different schooling system almost. And in some places, everything translates perfectly, and some things it doesn't. So you know, that could be an obstacle that you don't want to find out. You know, two months before you're supposed to get there, um, that technically you don't have a high school degree. So figuring out you know those things early on, having conversations with the coaches um, about international experiences that their players have had, because the other things you have to think about is okay how do I get back home for the holidays, right? Am I able to do that? What does the visa situation look like? So there's a few more steps that are involved in terms of logistics, 
but you know obviously it's a it's it's a big appeal coming to america to play in the college system so you know because it obviously provides a, a great pathway onto onto professional or to get a great degree in an experience um so yeah i would say a lot of the similar stuff but being conscious of the extra steps that you're going to have to go through that's great to know and then id camps are another avenue uh that girls are kind of a little bit intimidated, I guess, to go and attend. And, and they ask, what is the best way for them to prepare for an ID camp? Yeah, so I think that goes back to showing your personality, right? So, okay, it's number one, doing your research on the camp, right? Because there's a lot of camps that advertise and then you get there and there's 200 kids. And you, no matter how well you play, it's going to be really hard to get identified. So looking at, you know, a lot of times camps will say hey there's there's 30 spots or whatever it might be and you go okay those are a little bit more intimate right there's also some um camps out there that have you know 15 college coaches that come and they run stations or they just observe those are good ones to give you multiple opportunities that you can look through and go hey i'm interested in these five schools and i've got to do a little bit more research on the other 10 so looking at the various types of college camps is it purely a revenue generator so it's kind of a we call them babysitting camps right, where all skill levels are present, or is it a specific camp, you know, and like, if you're in a specialized position, like a goalkeeper, a lot of times there's separate goalkeeper camps, or they are at the same time as the ID camp, but a separate registration. So they work with a goalkeeper coach. But what the the ID camps allow you to do is, I always feel if it's a school that you're really interested in, is it lets you see a little bit inside how that coach works with players. So you get to go there and you get to be coached by them. Or at the very least, you get to observe them while they're observing, right? So are they interested? Are their arms crossed? Are they engaged? Do they coach from the sideline? Do they not? Because typically, in the really high-level ID camp, some of the players are there as well so that they can see how you gauge, right? So where do you fall? And I think, once again, going back to how do I make an impression here? So it's me and 29 other girls. So get there early, right? have a pumped up soccer ball big step right and then you know go up to the coaches and introduce yourself and shake their hand well i don't know if you can shake hands anymore with covid but <laughs> yeah, ideally shake hands because once again it leaves an impression so now beforehand because most people are terrified to do that which i totally understand it's an intimidating setting as is but one you'll feel a lot better because you learn that they're not these cold heartless people that you think they might be you know they're human beings too so you go and you you know shake their hand introduce yourself as you know hi i'm sally and you know, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for putting the camp together. And then be the person that starts something before training, whether it's a rondo, whether it's just passing to somebody, whether it's you, you know, if you're a good juggler, do some juggling. If you're a bad juggler, go stay with passing, right? That was <laughs> I'll stick with the juggler, passing. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I will stick with the passing. I'm good at passing, but I'm terrible at juggling. So, um, you know, I think that's the thing is be seen as somebody who loves the game, right? And wants to be on a ball and wants to get and a leadership as well. Hey, there's four of us here, right? Let's do a 3v1. Right. And, and that's the thing is then you're trying. And then after the camp, make sure that you once again, shake their hand, say thank you. You really loved it. When would be a good time to follow up just to get some feedback? Right. Because obviously there's some restrictions on feedback now with division one and um, institutions. But, you know, if they can talk to you, you can call and talk about it. Some schools will say, hey, not for 48 hours. Right. Because we have to decompress and make all our evaluations and notes and stuff like that some will say yeah call me tomorrow call me in a week right but once again it sets up that expectation of conversation be happening so they know again all right this kid's interested i've got to have my notes together 
and you know what did you see on her what did you see on her and we can have a conversation and if you can't talk to the coach yet in terms of a follow-up that's where your club coach becomes important so getting them to call right and and get some feedback and say okay what do you think is it a kid you would like to continue to evaluate is it a kid that you think is a stretch is a no way you know what type of thing and, and you just continue to build that relationship that way so you know id camps are, are really good in that aspect of helping you to see what a school is like now obviously it can be pricey right so that's a, a conversation that you have to have with your parents is how many times can you do 150 200 right so obviously if it's a if it's a school across the country that you go okay you know i'm sitting here in detroit and i'm interested in pepperdine right chances are you know obviously we play on a national platform so we'd have a good chance of getting seen but you know even then it's going to be harder than a kid from cali right so maybe if that's really one of your top five schools you need to make the investment to go out there and do an id camp so they can get a little bit more of an intimate look at you um but you always want to try and do especially the ones with your local schools you know at division one division two division three go there experience it what's it like to train when the dorms are right there as opposed to when you have to walk a quarter mile to get back right because remember you're gonna have to do that in the winter as well so <laughs> it's all these little things again it gets you into what's it like to be a person there right what's the what's the campus like how does the coach coach you know and then again the good thing is when you talk to a college coach right you and they ask you know what have you been up to you could say oh i've been to you know this school's id camp and that school's id camp there's a good chance that those college coaches know each other right so they're able to call and you know as much as everyone thinks that they you know sit on the sideline take their notes and then don't share them with anybody uh, they're, they're they're pretty good about sharing with each other especially when it's maybe not a fit for their school they'll say hey you know what she's a good player if we just have nine forwards you know so yeah i think you should take a look at her but that won't be prompted unless you kind of push people in that avenue that's great so moral of the story is get yourself as much experience as you can whether that be email conversations meeting coaches in person playing with them because you're going to get more and more comfortable with the process the more times you put yourself through it instead of you know having this one anxiety ridden <laughs> test of you know communicating with coaches it's best just to get as much experience with it as you can absolutely and that's you know at the end of the day it's it's like everything in life the more you put into it the more you're going to get out of it right so you know at the beginning know that it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be awkward and you're going to have butterflies in your stomach and you're going to mm -hmm. not want to pick up that phone when it calls <laughs> but do it right and that's the thing is ask ask your coach ask a um adult ask somebody to do a mock conversation with you yeah. before you do the first one right because that helps shake the nerves a little bit now there's there's usually giggles and all sorts involved but mm -hmm. try to make it as serious as you can and just tell them hey if you're a college coach you know pretend we don't know each other and interview me right and that kind of you know because there's, there'll be a few things that you ask that they go uh and then you can just have a little conversation and say hey this is when you would talk about that or you know it's okay to smile or don't just keep looking at the ground or you know everybody's favorite where they where they're on the zooms and you know that's your view of them so you know <laughs> how, how to have to have your camera because zoom's a thing now so you know all those little things I, I would say practice practice beforehand be confident even if you're not confident mm -hmm. pretend you're confident and you will become confident yeah I, I absolutely love this and it's just a nice reminder to everyone that the recruiting process is not a passive pro process where you're just being contacted like you are very much the one that's active in this process as the player and being proactive is the best thing that you can do 
Um, you said so many things like me not knowing anything about the recruiting process now, I feel more confident if I were a player knowing what steps to take now from this whole conversation. And I hope that a lot of other people are feeling the same way too, which I'm sure they will. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's tons of resources out there. There's no stupid questions, you know, because if you're thinking it, so are 10 other people. So I think that's the thing is, you know, it's actually been kind of cool on, uh, on Twitter. I've seen a couple of players that are actually throwing questions out and tagging, you know, coaches and people just, you know, that are in the community and stuff like that. And they're getting a ton of responses and stuff like that. So it's, a, again, don't be afraid to put yourself out there because, you know, what, you're going to get a couple of silly responses. You just throw them away. And it's, it's the same thing in life. It's going to be a few people that you don't like along the way, you know, and you learn to not let them influence you and get the information that you need to. But if you don't ask, you'll never get. I love it. Well, this is great, David. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like this is going to be such a powerful podcast that I think a lot of players are going to learn so much from. So we really appreciate it. Absolutely. I feel more comfortable getting recruited. Yeah. I don't even have to. I know. I wish I could get recruited <laughs> now. Yeah, you've got to get some extra eligibility. Right? <laughs> <laughs>